So the title is, Follow God and Be Happy. Follow God and Be Happy. Well, I just quoted the scripture, Acts 2, 38. The beginning of the church, the Jewish chosen people were all called to Pentecost in Jerusalem, all God-fearing Jews, and they were always worshiping God from the Old Testament and doing the best they could, and they believed in the Messiah from the prophecies, so all God-fearing Jews came to Jerusalem on Pentecost, and in 33 AD, Peter was there, and he got the keys, he said, and, 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 he, and he preached the first sermon. He said in Acts 2.38, I mean 2.36, said, God has made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, the God-fearing Jews, they were cut to the heart. Oh, wait a minute, we've already been doing everything. We know God really well. No, they said we are cut to the heart, something we need to know more. And they were cut to the heart, and they said, what do we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. For the, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you'll be added to God's kingdom. He, and, 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 he, and he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves. And when they did, it says that they, were, they, they understood now they were completely the final plan of God in Christ. They were filled with awe. And the New Testament starts, the church starts in Acts, and it shows all through the, 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 the ability to have joy and then the ability to not be joyful, even as saved people. So that should be enough. We're saved, and it's like amazing, but if you don't stay grounded in your faith, the temporary distractions of food, clothing, and shelter, world stuff, world worry, concern, legitimate stuff, can distract us from being joyful. And that's why we're growing in our faith in our salvation. And in 1 John chapter 1, you know, just to let you hear the opening, what he's saying here before I read this is, First John was written by John, one of the Jesus' original 12 disciples. He was probably the disciple whom Jesus loved. It referred to in John, the Gospel of John 21:20. And along with Peter and James, he had a special relationship with God. It wasn't that he was, seemed any better, but... Jesus, for whatever, called those three into closer relationship and went on the mountain thing. So the letter that John's writing here in 1 John was written between 85 and 90 A.D. From Ephesus, before John's exile, to the island of Patmos. Jerusalem had been destroyed in 70 A.D., just totally dissipated, destroyed by the Romans. I mean, the Babylonians have come in, and the Romans, excuse me, the Roman Empire just came in, and Jesus was warning that this was going to happen. So all the Christians were scattered throughout the Roman Empire in fear of persecution. And by the time John wrote this letter, Christianity had been around for about 60-plus years. It had faced and survived severe persecution, and it still does to this day. Because God is alive. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever's going on in the world, God is God. Be happy if you can be in God. So by the time John wrote this letter, Christianity, like I said, had been around for 60 days. And the main problem confronting the church at this time was the declining commitment Many disciples were conforming to the world's standards again, slowly. Failing to follow Christ 
wholeheartedly and thereby compromising their faith. And then false teachers definitely, even at that time, were plentiful. Every corner was blopping up. Hey, we'll spin you a new, new suit with Christ's kind in it, but you can kind of tailor it the way you want. You know what I mean? So John wrote this letter to put the disciples back on the track, the Christians on biblical faith, what Jesus defines, to show the difference between light and darkness, truth and error, and to encourage the church to grow in genuine love for God and for one another. And that's what Jesus commanded. He also wrote to assure us and them at that time of their promised eternal life that they had received when they repented and were baptized into Christ. And so John, we read now in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message that we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. If we proclaim, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. See, John opens his letter to the family of churches, to the way he began his gospel emphasizing that the eternal word of life, Jesus Christ, came into the world as a human being in order to rescue us from sin and restore our fellowship with God. And when John says we, he is including himself with the other disciples as the ones who were eyewitnesses to Jesus' life. Jesus had, John had lived and traveled with Jesus when he was walking on the earth, having personal physical contact with him over several years. He knew beyond a doubt that Jesus brings the light of life. So fellowship with one another, this sometimes is misunderstood from people who read the Bible out of context. You need to take it in context and go, God made Jesus both Lord and Christ, understand what it means to repent, which would mean also turn and live the way Jesus wants, living with him as Lord, which isn't even, it could be an ignorance issue. But if you don't decide to do it, it's a sin issue. 
So sometimes people go, oh, I got all my sins. No, you, don't, you never understood and were taught the accurate way of life, the way Jesus defines your purpose. You see, you can't just get right with God as a Savior and not understand Jesus Lord. That's part of turning. Repentance is turning from and realizing I'm living in a meaningless life, still believe in Jesus as my Savior, but I don't understand what it means. And see, you had to be baptized, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now he's telling Christians that have already been saved to continue to walk in the light. Because that's, once you come out of the waters, you're saved. But now, you must walk in the light as what you vowed as Jesus is Lord. You, either you didn't understand or you didn't mean it. Yeah. Or you really are doing it to all end. Die with Christ. If that's what he calls you to do, not give up when the tough gets tough. This isn't any, any, any you know, this is serious all in. Patience, great instruction, growing, but this is like, you know, some of us become Christians and we get hit by a Mike Tyson upper hook, and don't get me wrong, in life, life throws a good old fat, how you doing, how you doing, how you doing, and you're down, and, he, and you're, you're going, you don't even know where you are anymore in life, and God's going, hey, let's get you back up, let's get you in the corner, the angels are going to refresh you, we'll cut that cut up, we're going to wash it, you're going to get back out there and fight life, because I'm with you, and you know what, I'm not trying to hurt you, you're going to go back and face this giant, because I'm going to have you grow in faith, and you're going to learn, and, be, and you're going to probably be disciplined a little bit, but you're going to get through it. But see, a lot of us, myself included, if you get knocked out by Mike Tyson, and the old Mike Tyson, the young, the fired up, you would probably go, I'm not getting back out there. Can you? You're like to the manager, you're kind of like not nobody to see, but you're kind of winking like, that's like the throw in the towel, but don't let anybody see, I want to quit. But see, the good trainer's going to go, he's got something in his eye, get it out. Because he would never think he wants, the trainer would never think you're wanting me to throw in the towel, dude. I'll make the call, but you're still able to go in there. I know you don't feel like you can, but believe me, you're fine. Get back in there. See, a lot of us go, we can't do it anymore. No, God's going, you're fine. I know you're hurting. I'm with you. I love you. And I care how you're hurting. But you're okay. Just push through your emotions and your pain, and with my love and the family of God, the others that are walking, we're gonna get, you're going to get through it. And you're going to grow tremendously when you push through because of your faith of Jesus as Lord. There was a commercial a long time ago about a boxer, and it was so funny because it said it was, it was a, a McDonald's commercial, and the guy was getting beat to tar in a boxing ring. He's getting knocked out, beat over, and he's in, the, he's in the corner again, and he's just like this, and the manager's like this, and the manager, you can tell the trainer's like, they're trying to clean him up, and they're even worried, like, oh my gosh. And then he looks over at the other guy, and he goes, remember when you were in sixth grade, and someone stole your fries? He goes, it was him. And the guy looked at him, it was like McDonald's fries, and the guy looked at him and went out there and just knocked him out. So it says here, verse 4, again, we, we write this to make our joy complete. Joy, joy is a good thing. This is the message that we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there's no darkness. When your sins are forgiven, you're, you're, you, you are not separated anymore. God has decided to forgive your sins through faith in the blood of Jesus and the water of baptism. That's how he started to do it. So now you're in Christ. You don't have to keep getting baptized. So now you continue to walk in the light, but God already knows you're going to struggle with sin. So he says here, if we claim to have fellowship, 
in verse 6, with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live with him. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and what? The blood of Jesus, his son purifies of all sins. So walking in the light is not an option if you really make Jesus Lord. Repentance is, is what God commands, continuous. The rest of your life, you're not using it as an excuse, but you're going to continue to be in the light. God believes your promise even when you're struggling because he knows you're really chosen by him. And if you're chosen really by him, don't get caught up in that theology. Nothing will stop you. You will never give up. You can't not be a disciple because God chose you. Now, if that, you'll find out when you get there because whoever was really chosen for the creation of the earth made it. So don't worry about that. But if I know I was chosen, that's why I believe. I, I, I know I can't not, I, I can still sin in my mental sickness of being, knowing it's wrong. I, if I don't stay close to God, I can still be tempted and sin. Thoughts I have to clean up every day. Aren't you glad you don't have a recorder where everybody could just see all your thoughts all day? You know why I say that? Because I know I'm not any worse than you guys. We're not that unique. We all think critical, sinful thoughts. They may be cut, but see, you capture them. You go, God, help me. You don't feel down on yourself. You're like, thank you for Jesus. God, help me. And you want to correct it. But see, the blood of Jesus, see, you're in Jesus. The blood of Jesus, as you entered into Christ, the body of Christ, now the blood of Jesus continues to purify you as you walk in the light. But if you start to walk in darkness and don't repent, you're saying he's a liar because you're saying, I don't need forgiveness anymore. Forgiveness is a blessing, not a guilt thing anymore. You're not using it as a crutch. You're serious. You're genuine. You're not just going, sorry, dude, and you keep doing it. That, that, that's not good. You really go after it. You may still struggle with it, but you really will see changes by your faith and going, God, help me change. You guys with me? So point number one, God, get God before your trouble closes your willingness. Get God before your trouble closes your willingness. What am I saying? There's a time limit on being saved. God says all people can be saved. God is always there. You and me as human beings can damage our heart enough where if we're not respondent or don't want to respond or aren't open, you're not saved. And believe me, you have a part in it. you got to maintain your heart condition as a disciple especially because you've already been given everything. You know. So you can't just let your heart get all crazy and just go, no, God's already done everything. you got to respond. Sin hardens the heart. Decisions hurt your life. Regrets and past damage us. So there is a, there is a place where I see the world closing in. I, this is what I see, where people don't see their need to be a disciple, but they're religious. And, they, and you get in conversations and they don't get it. They're not stupid. They're just trouble and life has just made them numb. I don't know. I mean, because otherwise you're going to be going like, show me, show me, show me. Let me see. I want to get right. But they just think they're all right. But they don't know the Bible. That's shocking to me. Still so frustrating because I want to. But then I realize I can't do anything for someone that's not open. I, I'll just annoy them. They don't want to hear me keep going, hey, dude, you want to come to church? I've told you 20 times. <laughs> Religious boy, church boy. I don't want anything to do with it. Okay. And maybe two months, three months later, you put it in your calendar and you throw it out once again. But you're just going to irritate the dude. Never teach a pig to sing. It annoys the pig and it's a waste of time. <laughs> Bible says don't throw pearls to swine. I'm not, ta- I'm not calling a pearl. You have to read the indication. That's a proverb from France. So don't think I'm calling people pigs. It's true, though. It's very true. Forget about the people. You're going, oh, gosh, he calls people pigs. No, it's just an honest, th- it's an honest truth. 
go try to teach a pig to sing. It's a waste of time, and it will annoy the pig. If just go to a farm and really try to do that, that's a truth. And it's like a condition of a person that doesn't, that's getting annoyed by you trying to bring something that could help them. Not that singing could help a pig, but I don't know. Well, let's look at what I'm saying so I can back it up scripturally. Let's look at, let's look at, let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. Because some people just think, I get God when I want. I know he's always there. He's like Motel 6, I'll leave the light on. No, he, he is always there, and he is always available. But if your cart closes down, and you, don't, you either don't see your need to be saved, and you aren't saved, or you just decide by your own way of thinking you're saved, but you're not saved, and no one's to judge you, but, or you're just so overwhelmed with worry and struggle that you can't even focus on even, even though you hear things or you see someone that's a Christian, and you know, man, I, I admire, I see that person change, but you just can't focus because you're just so crushed by just all the stuff in your life that keeps happening and, and people. And that's what happens in the world. And you got to still clean your heart as a disciple. So let's look in Ecclesiastes 12.1. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you say, I'm finding no pleasure in them. Well, that means really in Hebrew, the actual direct translation is act decisively on God's behalf in the days of your youth. Does it mean old people can't be saved? No, it does. You can be saved anytime. But it's saying if you can get it or you, you have a sense that you're not right or someone's reached out, go for it. Don't waste your time. This is a God moment. It's just not, oh, another opportunity to go to church. And maybe I'll go to church when I have kids or I get married. God's grace is huge, but you're banking on something you can't guarantee. Millions of people die unsaved every day. Does it mean Jesus' power on the cross wasn't powerful? No. It means free choice. Free choice. You have exactly the power that you wanted all your life. No one will tell you nothing. You will do what you want to do, and even God's not going to make you or try to push, you, push it on you. He's going to tell you the truth ahead of time. Hell, heaven, I want you, I love you, but he's, he can't, no one's going to tell you what to do. That's a curse. You might think it's a blessing, but it's a curse because you need to be willing to submit to God. Act decisively on God's behalf before the days of trouble come. Why? Well, we can see this person's not doing well because if you're doing well with God, you're not going to be going, ah, life sucks. I feel no pleasure. You're getting older. It's like, I find, that can't be a disciple and go, I'm so miserable. I find no pleasure in life. No, as a disciple, you're joyful. You find contentment in old age, in, 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 in age spots, in little cancer things. I had cancer. I am a cancer survivor. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? I'm not. I had cancer, and they had to cut. I had, I had stitches here. I did have cancer. I didn't, I, it wasn't the most serious, but I had cancer, and I had to go and do surgery, and I had stitches, and they got it. Amen. What's next? Paralysis, paralysis, cancer. I'm not, I'm not going to God. I'm gonna say, but I'm going I'm to die saved. I don't care if I die. I just want to die saved. That's right. I can't control what comes, but I can control how I navigate it with God Almighty or not. And it's, it's going to find no pleasure in them if I don't navigate with God. That's why the hence the grumpy old man, you ever heard that sense? Yeah. The grumpy old man or the bitter old, that, that's a real thing. People, life beats you down, and the older you get, you wear a resting face with a frown on it. Yeah. You're not mean. You just look at people walking up and down the streets in life. It's just, it's just wearing. Life is tough. Life's for no joke. Life is tough. Right? 
A life without God can produce bitterness, loneliness, hopelessness, and old age. A life centered around God is fulfilling and can be richer and more bearable than one without it because we are faced with, still we're going to be faced with the same thing. We can be faced with disabilities, sicknesses, handicaps. They come to both. The saved and unsaved. Old age and aging process is not fun as far as the human life condition. Ask anybody who's after 50. They're a little bit more sore or stiff. I'm sure Afonso, which has a great discipline, even after your workouts, you're probably a little sore or stiffer than you were when you were 25. But he's a great example, isn't he? Because he denies himself. That doesn't just fall off the trees, guys. You've got to deny yourself and take care of your temples. So look in Luke 21, 32. So you see, I believe there's people that I love very much, and I've been reaching out for years, and I'm not going to ever give up. And I always try to pray for wisdom on, you know, when to hold them and when to fold them, temporarily, I should say. <laughs> right? Because you've got to know when someone's not open. You've got to recognize at the moment, if they're not open, you're not a wise, you're now going to irritate them. You can, as a disciple, you can actually, you can't read minds, but as you get into it with them and they're not willing, there's signs eventually you can go, they're not open. They may not understand what they're saying, but they're not open. Or if you study the scriptures and they're arguing and being defensive, that doesn't mean you don't need to keep studying with them, but there should be a spirit of eventually a learner's heart, even if they're already a disciple. Right? So it's fine. You just read it so you don't get discouraged. Like, God's not using me. No, he's using you. You just recognize someone's not open. Now move on and find someone open. You know, don't give up on them, but just, you know, say, hey, dude, door's open. Here's my number. I'm always here. There's a Bible talk every Thursday. And if you ever need anything, I'm here. And I'll check out every so often. I'll just, you know, put it in my calendar, text you every month. Hi. I got no time. I got to keep moving. I'm looking for people that are open. I don't have time to argue and be defensive and try to convince somebody. Dude, you're fired up. It seems like, why are you, what are we here for? Go back. I, you're arguing with scripture. I'm, I don't know everything, but it, let's read it again. I mean, it's like, what are we arguing? We're arguing. I'm going to stop. Right. You go, I go. I mean, let's do it. I, you're fine. I'm not going to, you know, go. I know, I know I'm right and I'm doing it, so I'm not going to argue with you. In Luke 21, 32, it says, Truly I tell you, the gen this generation will certainly not pass away until all things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap or a Mike Tyson Lay out punch, knock out punch. That's what it happens. It traps. Oh, boom. You're not ready. You never got right. You die, and now you're in front of God, and you go, ah! Because everybody's going to know where they're at when they die, yeah. no matter they're playing or not. You're going to know exactly where you're at. There's going to be no facades. You're, you're going to be either in horror or joyful, and you knew you were fighting the fight, and you pretty much knew going in you were going to be okay because you're saved by grace, and you're walking in the light. That's the heart. See, point number one is don't allow yourself to be weighed down. See, don't allow yourself to be weighed down. Did I already give that point? What point did I give? 
What's your point? Okay, yeah, excuse me. Get get God before your trouble goes. Point two is don't allow yourself to be weighed down. Now, we can use the analogy of overweight, right? Once again, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm using myself. I know that when I was 40 pounds heavier, I just did, I felt weighed down. I felt more tired. I didn't like having the Dunlap disease, my belly Dunlapped over my, my, my thing. I was sick of that, having always having my shirt hanging out. Well, that's the style. I never could tuck my shirt in because my belly was booming. And I just felt uncomfortable. I just didn't like it. But I couldn't change it because I didn't have enough conviction or faith to go, you know, I started using age. I can't change. And now I don't, I, it's still a battle. But why? It's not about how I look. It's like I want to live quality for God. He doesn't need me, but if I'm 80, I want to go. If you want to ask me, you don't need me, but I just want, don't want to go. I'm, I got diabetes and I'm 200 pounds overweight, but I'm with you in spirit, Lord. No, I got to be able to go and do my best because I want to, not because I have to. But weighed down with stuff in your heart and in your mind, it's, it builds stress anxieties we all have them as christian or non-christian but now we know how to bring them to god and pray through worry and change worry into concern and now have a navigation plan and not be overwhelmed a lot of times it's like i got everything stop let's break that everything down because anybody who's feeling everything it's just going to kill them it's a trap because everything's everything that's going to kill anybody let's just break it down today and then it gets a little easier because we get our brains going but see it says be careful he says be careful because you're, you're going to, because what? He says, this generation will not pass away until all things have happened. And he's talking about the point of the scriptures because he does say heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. See, the words of God are always there for everybody, but they're passed away by so many people. He says, be careful. That's Jesus saying, be careful. That's serious when God's going, be careful. Your heart's. See, your heart can just get stuck and just get bitter. And bitterness is just you're not happy with the results of your life. And you're feeling indirectly. You're, you're not really saying, God, but maybe even get to the point. It's like, what are you doing? But there's a scripture in the Proverbs that says, A man's own folly ruins his life, but his heart rages against the Lord. So we're never going to rage against the Lord, but indirectly, subconsciously, we're blaming God. We're not saying that, but we're basically acting like that with our attitudes. Bitterness. Bitterness is a deadly sin. I've recognized it many times as a Christian, and I thank God that I had helped to get it out, because when it gets in, it messes the way you think. It, you need, I need brothers to draw me out. I need my wife to help me. There's been times where I, after I got through it, I go, oh my gosh, this is like a cat. It, it just, it's, it's a sin that can be dealt with, but if you just let it permeate, it gets deep and messes with your thinking. So, way down, and then it says that day is going to close on you if you're not careful. What? It says, for it will come, in verse 35, it will come on those who live on the face of the whole earth. So be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the son of man it's okay he's saying you're all going to struggle 
but the ones that don't, res don't respond and go, let me understand what is a Christian. Can someone teach me? Is this church really just say statements or can they show me every question I have? Like, what does Jesus say? A Christian is that's isn't that the best question don't tell me what you think a Christian is don't tell me what the church thinks a Christian is do you guys live what Jesus says in the word and you're not perfect but you're striving to like what Chaz did and Amy and the welcome model it yeah. I got a lot of work to go but my heart is grieves with what this says God's way yeah. and I can show you from the scriptures why I'm living what I'm living does that make sense yeah. so he's just saying man Jesus is clearly on, you know, be with a warning to be, ex, to, to be expectant and live expectantly. Be on your guard. Keep on your alert. You know, none of us would get out of a mall or get out of a store, I dare say, and not lock your car. Why? I bet everybody, won't, you just try it this week. Try not to lock your car at all. You can't. You're just going to do it. And I'm going to go, why are you doing it? Because I'm not stupid. There's people out there that are going to steal. But I bet if you really didn't lock your car, the odds of someone breaking in that week probably wouldn't be that good. I don't know, but why not? Well, because it's stupid. God gave us locks. We know the world, and there's evil in it. And hopefully we're not thieves, but we know there's thieves. And if you've ever had your car broken into, it's shocking. I had my window shattered. Shattered. It was like violent. I didn't see it, but I came back, and it was just glass over, over everything. Shattered on our thing. And I was like looking around going... And I just felt assaulted. I felt like I was victimized. Yeah. It's like they didn't even clean the glass up after they broke it. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt victimized. I felt like disrespected. I mean, I called up and canceled all my credit cards. I think I had like, I hardly ever carry cash. It's hilarious. Even if I want to give a guy a tip, like if some guy was helping me with my car, I go, you got a cash app? And I was like, what is it? And I take like five minutes to say, okay, here's five bucks. I, I just don't carry cash. But I had the credit cards. They just call and you had to cancel all those. But I didn't really lose nothing. I had to go to the driver's license. I just canceled everything. But I still felt so disrespected on the glass. <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't that? Or if you get your home broken and you're like, who, who is this? <laughs> so that can build up bitterness. But then you got to realize that's life. Those are people that have chose and that have been shut down and aren't open to God. I remember when I got a, my, my, my bike stolen. I just got married in 95. And I remember I went down and my bike was taken. And we were living in an apartment, Sonia, in Hollywood, California. And I went down and my bike was gone. And they broke the lock. And I think that was the first time I'd ever been victimized. I mean, I guess that's pretty good. I'm like 30, 33 and I'd never been personally robbed. I think it was just the tough guy look. I looked around people and I, I kind of had the hand back like this. When you walk and you walk like this kind of... Even crippled, if I walk like this, if I, if I see some mean-looking guys ahead of me, I'll just go like this. I'll put the hand back with the cane on. <laughs> and they're already going, this, dude, this dude's been around. <laughs> but I know, I know that's the way of the world. It's not God. God has to allow everybody to have free choice. So it's not God doing it to you. It's just you're getting the consequences and off overfill, overflow of sin, yeah. of sinful people, people that are not acting decisively on God's behalf. But you are. So let's look in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1, and go, why are people so messed up? Well, let's look at what the anxiety 
and why our minds can get so out there. Even as Christians, if you're not staying open in discipling relationships and talking, I mean, God's awesome kingdom is like you have counseling all the way out. Now, counseling's like a norm with everybody. People go see counselors. They go see people. Shrinks, it's on TV. And I'm not even saying that's, that's wrong himself, but in the kingdom, God's going, I already figured that out. You all need shrinks. What, what he means is you need people to talk to and really care and listen and, and continue to pull you back in and help you and then also listen to your pain and identify it. We just need that. That's how we stay healthy, right? That's why God calls us and commands us to be in one another's lives and discipling one another and mentoring and loving each other and helping each other, teaching each other to obey, growing. Proverbs 8.1, who is like the wise? Who knows the explanation of things? A person's wisdom brightens their face and changes its hard experience. So if you have a hard look, you should go down to wherever your local gang members are. Usually you can find them in every city. You just got to look for the signs. (laughs) They usually have hard faces. I wouldn't suggest you by yourself, but just go up to them and go, you need to change your your hard appearance. You're not very wise. It's true. Now, I wouldn't do that because they'd probably shoot you. They'll show you. I'll show you what's not wise, walking up on us by yourself. We're going to show you something. And then then God's going to go, yeah, that wasn't wise either. Right? But honestly, in in seriousness, a person's wisdom, look at that, a person's wisdom brightens their face and changes their heart experience. That is incredible. That's not just religion. Once you walk in, once you get right with God, you make Jesus Lord. What's that mean? Jesus is Lord, not because you're wanting him to dominate you. You're going, you know everything. And I'm going to grow as I learn to make decisions and choices. Not just what is sin and what's not sin. What is best, what is better, and what is not good. In wisdom on me and how you know me. Somebody else, it might not be sin, but for me, it's not wise. This is how you grow. And when you make choices that put deposits in your life more than withdraws, you're going to have a face that's lighter than down. We're all going to have trouble, but you understand by listening and growing in God's wisdom and praying for God to give you wisdom, but obeying God's word, you grow in wisdom and you learn by your mistakes and that's how you grow as well. You change it. You don't keep doing insanity over and over and expect different results. Wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective and then know the best course of action to take. I'm going to repeat that. Wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective and then know the best course of action to take. That's why disciples, Christians, people who made Jesus Lord would make decisions that people that don't understand the Bible would think maybe sometimes that almost sounds crazy because all they're thinking of is human, human reason, just humanistic reason. Like that doesn't make sense. How would you not move, only move, if there's a, only a true church of disciples the way Jesus teaches? Well, because God calls me to be in a church, and yeah, I have God, but I understand the plan of the Bible, so I wouldn't do that. It's not important, more, even more important for a better job if I'm going to be out there all alone. And sometimes people make that mistake, and then they're out there all alone, and they're struggling because they're out of bounds of obeying God. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. You need to be in the church as a family. It's not legalistic. It's like wisdom. It's a command of God. When you step out and disobey God, that's lack of wisdom and i.e. sin. Yeah. 
Most people would agree that wisdom is a valuable asset. Wouldn't you agree? We all, have the, we all are given the same parts of anatomy when we come out of the womb. Why do some people get farther than others? Most people that are successful make decisions, and that's why they write books. And even we can read books, which are of business and things. And you can go, whoa, this dude's opened my whole mind. And there's nothing wrong in and of itself to be successful and learn how to invest or things like that and get the conventional wisdom. There's, God says, be wise with what I give you. Yeah. Don't just jump out emotionally. So, but those people, you'll understand, even conventionally, have made choices and figured out why it's wise. Because it works for them in their life, and it works for others. So, let's look in uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Or excuse me, Proverbs chapter 9. I mean, sorry. Wait, where are we right now? Yes, yes, stay in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 9. We're going to go to Proverbs and Men. I've got to keep you. I don't want to get you guys too overwhelmed. I'm already overwhelmed. Whenever you're overwhelmed, just start walking in the mall like this. If, even if you can, just move that hand. And even put your teeth out over your lip if you really want to look serious. If someone's really, like, not moving, just go. I don't know what's wrong with me. Sonia needs to get back. I'm going nuts. <laughs> She's probably watching this in South Africa going, dude, <laughs> stay in the Bible. What are you doing? <laughs> he, she probably finally got her family to go to church on watch. Watch Chris. He's a good preacher. They're like. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 9 verse 4. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. Now, you just think about that for a minute. That's the Bible again. I mean, it's so simple but profound. If you're a lion and you're alive, it's way better to be a lion than a dog. Actually, to be a lion, you're the king. In the, geogra- in the, in the world, wherever a lion is, I don't think it has a predator. It's king, but we know that. But then it says, you've got to look beyond the grave, man. I don't care who you are here or what you have and do. It says here, man... Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living, in verse 5, know that they will die. But the dead know nothing. They have no further reward. And even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go, eat, your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white. And what that means, spiritually speaking, is be right with God. Walk with God. Be righteous. So even the wine and alcohol doesn't condemn it, but don't go out and get blasted. That's not what he's saying. If you can't control it, don't do it. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy Life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. What is it saying? Get God, walk with God, 
and keep God's, what God loves, you love. What God hates, you hate on this earth. Not people, sinful choices and evil. You live for God. It's not about live for an empire. It's not about a certain amount of money. God, you, you, you're the sky's the limit. If you're mature enough, he'll give you stuff that you just are like, people are going to go, I want that. Well, how does he get that? You're going to go, you're just going to be using it as a platform, praying for wisdom. How do I be more generous? How do I help this person? How do I start our foundation? Anybody that's a billionaire is going to really be paying hard line. You're not supposed to have seven houses and 40 yachts. I don't know how many, but God's going to go, you're supposed to be, you can enjoy your life, but you really overdid it. God says that. That's why he says, command the rich to give. It's like getting too rich, your brain gets funk, funky. No one's going to tell you. I'm just telling you. So you, if, you're, if you get wealthy, you need to pray for maturity spiritually because it's really hard to handle it. God says it's not wrong to be rich, but it's really how hard is it for the rich man to enter the kingdom? Because it just does something to us. God says if you have wealth, but are you living as a disciple using it? Not because you have to, but it's like a platform, right? We can all say, well, if I, that's what everybody says, so be ready, Right? The people that get rich, I'm sure they said it too. We could say, well, I'd like to take that challenge. Let's put the $5 billion in my bank account. Let's see how you do. Well, we know the story about the people that won the lottery, right? They even have documentaries about it, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Divorced, hate all their family members. It's all just crazy because of money. So, hope. Look in Proverbs 13, verse 9, as we get ready to come in for a landing. Hope. If you don't have hope, there's no reason to get out of bed. Think about that for a minute. What is hope? Hope is believing something better can happen. If you don't think anything better is ever going to happen, I'm done. You quit. A lot of people quit. And you got to have mercy and compassion for people like that. There's people that don't understand answers and have been beat down so much by life that hopefully maybe you're the one that can actually be kind and loving and maybe slowly show them compassion and then they want to see the hope God offers but if you don't have hope why move I mean think about it in verse 9 it says the light of the righteous shines brightly the lamp of the wicked is snuffed out where there's strife there's pride but wisdom is found in those who take advice See, if someone tries to give you advice from something that's happened in your life and you start to defend and argue about your way of it, you can. But what are you doing? Why are you arguing when someone's trying to possibly give you input that could maybe better something that you haven't been able to do well? It's your choice. No one can tell you what to do. But the Bible says you should want people to give you and get in you should want to ask for input by people that you see that are living and will give you with a godly input but people that are godly still have character and can help you understand on how to buy a car what to do with finances right those are all within being wise but they're going to give you the spiritual godly sense on it not just the worldly sense but see in verse 11 it says dishonest money dwindles away but, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Because God doesn't want you to be super rich. He says if you start young and you use wisdom, save a little by a little. You're not supposed to be rich, but he says I'm going to take care of you so when you get old you're not all freaked out. 
But see, most people don't think. There's stats out there that most people never think to save till they think they're going to make money. 20, 10, 20, 30, 40 years go by. They didn't start. You could have started 25 bucks a month when you were 20. And then as you got better jobs and whatnot, you just kept disciplined. And there's lots of advice you can get out there. And that's another story, and that's not necessarily going to get you to heaven, but there's wisdom on that. Slowly, just because God says, I'm going to take care of you, make choices. But God is your treasure. You're already rich if you're right with God. Now look in verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. See, when this happens, I'll be okay. When I get this better job, it's all going to be different, honey. We're going to get a better place to live, and that could be fine, but you can't wait. You've got to be content where you're at. It doesn't mean God's not going to give you more, but God's not going to go, let me change your atmosphere, then get happy for me. No, he's saying, learn what you're learning with me, and I'm enough. Is God enough now? Yeah. Not when you get this. When he's enough, then he'll bless you, because now you're going to use it, and you don't get deceived by material stuff. Or even relationships. Don't have friends? Start loving people. Make new ones. Don't hold on to your posse. They can still be friends. But I have so many friends I can't see straight. I don't need more friends. I don't even want more friends. But because I'm a disciple, I offer my friendship to who I study with. I got people all over the world because I've been a disciple so long that I love it. But you can almost be overwhelmed. I'm not even mad. I just can't. I can only do one friend at a time. How you doing? Want a drink? It's a good problem. I'm not complaining. It's awesome. You'll have so many friends if you give. If you give your heart and not think, where's my friends? I go, I'm just going to love people and let God decide who's my friends. But I'm going to offer it to all. But hope deferred makes your heart sick. Are you sick? Are you depressed? Are you discouraged? Disciples? I've been there. I've been so sick as a disciple. I've been so confused. And I had to hang in there and obey no matter what I felt like. And that was where I went back and went, wait, Jesus said, deny himself. Okay. Yeah, I've taught that many times. Don't give in to moods or feelings. And I just had to put my head down and go, I'm going to trust the word. The word's truth. And I'm not feeling it. And I'm walking around and I'm going in and out of church and going, I'm going to seek first the kingdom. Going, God, help me. And then finally, something starts to soften. But I have to obey without waiting. And I've been there. I came into this church in an IV. Remember I told you guys, I broke the podium here when they first, when Matt let me preach. First time Matt let me out of the cage. Okay, let him, let him, let's we'll see. I broke the whole podium. It fell over and crashed. Ted Green said, bro, you've just endeared yourself to the church. Nothing I said, he said. He said, breaking the podium, you just endeared yourself to the church. They all feel for you now. <laughs> Verse 13, whoever scorns instruction will pay for it. I paid so much for that, didn't you? In your life, there's times you scorned it. When I was a rebellious teenager and a rebellious 20-year-old, 20-something-year-old, man, I paid without anybody stopping me. It just life turned out, and that's what eventually, thank God, I was able to not have it all shut down. I anxiety, my addictions, my drugs, my craziness, my emptiness. I, even though I was working for Guns N' Roses and I had money and had a car and I had degrees and I had women, I was just closing down. Even though I looked okay outside, I was just, oh. Because hope was deferred, and I kept running after the animal. The world tells you, you can get it, you can get it. Nothing made me happy. That's why I started stimulating myself, going, I need to be happier. And it never paid. It just made me feel emptier. And then I finally God's patience. Thanks, God, my heart didn't shut down. It was weighed down. It had a lot of problems. I just go, God, thank you for allowing me to see it at 31. 
I damaged myself. I still had to learn and still learn to reroute things to this day because of my sinful choices. My mind still brings things up, and I go, God, help me. Those are, those, God forgave me, but that's stuff that just, I made bad choices, and it reminds me I need God. Four, 14, the teaching of the wise is the foundation of life. Turning a person from the snares of death. Well, if you're a disciple, guess what? You're ready to help someone above all wisdom. This is worth more than 15 Harvard master degrees or whatever you think is your best thing. You can actually help someone if they're humble to follow Jesus and change and live and get right with God. But you got to ask yourself, are you willing to do it? If you're visiting, are you willing to go show me and let me see the bird? Not just attending church. That's, that's a part, but then you got to listen. Are they telling what the Bible says? And then i got to go look in the Bible and go, do you people really, or is it just another religion talking Jesus? No, get involved. Go in their houses, look at them. When they're not looking, look at them. Are they really, are they really faith? Are they really, does everybody really, is everybody on the same page scripturally? growing. Yeah, whoa, this, is this real? They're fake. No, stay around. We have problems. We struggle. But overall, we have joy because we're walking with the Lord. Verse 15, good favor wins judgment, but the way of the unfaithful leads to destruction. Ouch. All who are prudent act with knowledge, but fools expose folly. Isn't that great? So closing out, let's go to the last scripture. I got more, but next week. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Summing it back up, get God be happy. Now all has been heard. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. I'll say it again. Fear God. That means if you're in sin, get radical. And when you study the Bible, don't go, I'm going to pray about it. No, you change. You get crazy and go, God, help me change. And you ask people because that's no excuse. If you need to repent in here, repent. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. You want to be happy and you want to stay happy following God? Continue to fear God. God's a loving God, but God is saying, I have the way, follow me. I died for you. And strive to make it your greatest ambition as you work and do life to be obedient with your life to God's word and continue to grow. Greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then learn to love people more and be willing to give, show them the wisdom that God's showing you and continue to help others become disciples of Jesus Christ and let's evangelize the world in our nation. Amen? Amen.